Hey, everybody, and welcome to this, the final installment of the Psychology of Lockdown series. I've been working on this for uh, a little over a year now, I think, maybe right out a year. Um, and this is the 23rd episode, so uh, happy to, to kind of wrap it up, but sad to see it go because uh, I thought the ideas within it uh, were really important. Um, just this idea that so much of, of what we're dealing with is psychological. I mean, we talk about that there's this psychological operation going on. Certainly, we've been in, inundated for the last couple of years with a lot of propaganda from both corporations and the government. Uh, and those are targeting our psychologies and then what happens uh, as a group, what happens to an individual when they disagree with the, the overarching narrative of what's going on. Um, then we talked about mystification and how that happens to uh, the, the large numbers of people that really are heavily influenced by the, the uh, dominant narrative. And then the rules of dysfunction, which I think really described uh, for a lot of us um, what it feels like when you do disagree with that dominant narrative and you're still uh, having to deal with living in a community and in a nation state where uh, a lot of people disagree with you, a lot of people are engaging in controlling behavior. And so what we've had to uh, go through in terms of all of that. And for this last installment, uh, I'm joined once again by Genevieve Schiff. She is uh, a local psychologist. She's got a master's in psychology and she's been working a lot in uh, just in local organizing around uh, the COVID lockdowns and things, things related to that. Um, doing what she can to try to change things here locally. And I, so I thought I'd have her on to help finish this one up. We're going to talk about the healing process, actually. We're going to, now that we've explored mystification and the rules of dysfunction, uh, we're going to talk about how we can deal with what's happened to us in a way uh, where we can transmute a lot of these negative energies into positive energies and what that means. So, hey, Genevieve, how's it going today? Thanks for Hi. joining me. It's going well. Thank you. So we were talking about a lot of different angles, um, how to approach this. And initially, I think I was thinking about talking about, um, you know, our relationship with family and friends and community members, maybe that that disagree and that we've had to get into these kind of conflicts um, with over the course of the last couple of years. If you haven't felt like uh, getting vaccinated or if you haven't felt like there was really uh, enough urgency to require the mandates and the lockdowns and, and the masking and all of that, uh, what it was like to have to go through that with people that, that don't or that are interested in complying and that are kind of imposing these controlling mechanisms onto us. Uh, but then it's been interesting because for the last couple of weeks, I've been writing about this concept of dialogue within the scene, because I find that so many people actually, I mean, there's way more disagreements going on than there are, is agreement about how to kind of fight back against these large institutions that are clearly pushing us towards this technocratic future. Um, for those of you who also listen to The Shift, you know that I've covered quite a bit about the technocracy, what's uh, what's being prepared for us in terms of the future, that the vaccine passports uh, are really one step closer to this whole social credit system, that the central bank digital currencies, uh, they're planning on giving us programmable currencies. So we're going into this kind of potentially dystopian future. And I'm hoping to figure out how to kind of cultivate a sense of unity amongst the resistance. And what I see over and over again is actually, I think maybe once you kind of wake up to the propaganda of the dominant narrative, then you're really exposed, you know? I mean, there's suddenly there's, there's uh, you kind of realize maybe that you were fooled for a long period of time. Maybe your parents were fooled. Maybe it's a generational trauma that you're becoming aware of. It's like coming out of denial. Um, and so how do you think, Genevieve, how do people deal with that? I'm seeing a lot of people getting very defensive, a lot of people feeling like their particular point of view must be right. Everybody else has to be wrong. Uh, and a lot of arguing going on and not a lot of feeling of like a unified movement that might actually have what it takes to kind of slow this thing or stop this thing altogether. Well, it's such a random group of people, the resistance. Yeah. So maybe... 
you know, one chooses because they're religious or the rebel who the anarchist. Yeah. Or you grew up in a way that you just recognized it or, you know, it's just such a random mix. And I've heard that repeatedly that it's not, you know, one party or the other. It's not age. It's not even intelligence. It's not education. And so I've noticed that I'm on the same side in this case with people that I wouldn't normally. Sure. When I I don't eat animals and I've never considered myself proud to be American, really. Right. (laughs) Once I traveled abroad, I was like, wait, I actually vibe outside of this place. So I'm with people who have American flag T-shirts and who have a greater connection with God than I have ever had. And so I think with all of that, it's just recognizing that we don't, that we don't know mm-hmm. there's absolute, but when people are first entering, like you mentioned, and they're, they just lost everything, you have to hold on to something. So maybe it's the first thing that comes at them, just like Q, how that was so such an appeal to a lot of people because it explained it so well who had just discovered that they spray things from airplanes right and that's a whole thing and and this laid it out in an easy way for them to understand and then they could still kind of maintain that hope where i saw that right you know 2020 and i was like i don't buy it i don't buy it but i had friends who did and as long as they were kind of getting some of the same information like I've actually not disparaged on that too much with them Mm. I don't want to tear anybody down for what they believe but yeah we all believe differently and that's a great thing we don't want it to all be the same like we were just talking about the utopia Utopias don't actually work because we need those little conflicts to better ourselves, really. So having a conversation with somebody who has an American shirt that believes in, you know, just praying to God for this. It's like there's actually some lessons to be learned for me in understanding more their point of view rather than, well, you eat meat. And you bo- you go to church every Sunday, so we don't have that in common. So if uh, understanding that that we don't all, nobody knows either. Like you can never know any right. of the that we all are really arguing about. You can't really even whether it's good for you to eat dairy or not. Like we're so variable. So is that good for you? Is it good for the cow? Like maybe it's good for you and. And maybe just the understanding that we all are so different and that's a beautiful thing. Right. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah. It's so so funny. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just funny that you mentioned Q because that probably is the one, uh, one example of actual controlled opposition, because like you said, as we were talking before uh, I hit record, um, we were talking about how so many people within this movement, they might be aware that, uh, you know, there's something big going on. Something doesn't make sense about what they're seeing with the COVID response, with the lockdowns, the mandates, uh, and starting to look into other, uh, other possibilities. But then uh, people, I think, are so stuck to their, they're still so stuck to their own point of view that, like, I mean, we hear people getting called controlled opposition left and right all over the place. And so it's one of those things that also, I think it breaks us down. I mean, I, you know, what I'm starting to to write about in my blog and talk more about is this idea that I think if we're going to try to slow this, the tide of this thing or stop it altogether, then our greatest strength is in the numbers, which means not only do we need to really wake more people up to, to the bigger picture in general, but we also need to start figuring out how to unify 
for all of us that have an awareness that something is off and that there's, you know, a lot of propaganda over the corporate and government airwaves that is not actually factual and we're not being allowed, we're not having our feelings validated and we're not having conversations, certainly within the corporate system if we disagree. But now, hardly even within, if you can call it the resistance, like you get together with the, you know, with other resistance members. And I've heard people say vegans must be, you know, part of the technocracy because uh, Bill Gates wants to build meat factories. There does now. And to have us eat, you know, fake meat, I'm not into that either, but there do, there are these agendas to kind of, distract us and get us focused and I'm weary of any of that you know unless I know you and even then there's so much you can't know about somebody but the resistance is anybody who's like you were saying just for freedom medical freedom yeah so it's also not beneficial for us to call those who've done it already names or sheeple that's and we do want the people who've already made their decisions and maybe notice that they're not it doesn't make sense anymore to come to our side one of my favorite signs that i made was burn your vax card and stand together because we do want more people on our side that have varying ideas even if you're pro vaccine and pro mask it's just when you start telling others what is right and that again it's like admitting that you don't know you have no idea like any of it right i mean this whole it's, it's so interesting to me that this um this conversation is now kind of steering towards those people that have uh decided that their belief system isn't in par with this dominant narrative because even i mean you know people that uh say you start to doubt the narrative about 9-11 or you start to doubt the narrative about the jfk assassination i mean a lot of people go through a period of depression just you know having that feeling that they were sort of fooled into thinking a certain narrative that just doesn't seem to be true anymore and making that transition is very challenging and so. that is the feeling shame. I mean, so Bradshaw, right. which is what we last discussed, right, was talking about the rules of dysfunctional families and how to keep the dysfunction. You know, you don't talk about things or blaming others. And it all is to avoid feeling, feeling stupid, maybe, for falling for it. And mm-hmm. that people will come up with an excuse as to why that wasn't their stupidity but really you've got to feel like you made a mistake and be able to admit it and looking at yourself fully and accepting yourself fully so that's like Bradshaw's way of healing or healing from addiction or mental health issues as much as you can heal from mental health issues is also about feeling and not avoiding your pain. Right. Just like in a yoga class, don't ignore your pain. And if you keep ignoring that physical pain, it's going to show up as it's going to, you know, turn into something. So not ignoring your foolishness over buying the fact that this politician cares about you. If you just keep avoiding, 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 then you are going to lash out at people and say, well, everybody trusted Fauci at first and he's such a nice grandpa and keep making excuses about it. And it is a scary place to not know. I mean, I remember my awakening moments, my movie, you know, movies based like zeitgeist. Right. That I watched and I Classics. was obsessed for a while. Or when I first started noticing how common chemtrails were being sprayed and changing the weather, I was really depressed. And people who cared about me were like, hey, I'm worried about you and how upset you're getting. 
But if I would have had somebody to follow that just fit right in line, you know, that might've been appealing at those times of darkness, but that's just falling for another teacher, you know, another teacher. Well, that's, uh, that's what I was thinking because, so we break free from these rules of dysfunction. We realize that we were members of this dysfunctional government relationship. The shame and just. Right. And, and then, you know, uh, it made me think of concepts like adulting or individuation. Individuation is what a healthy psychology wants to get to once they realize that they've been in these codependent relationships and these shame-based systems. And so I think, I mean, it deserves some thinking about this concept of individuation because I feel like almost like a lot of people will jump from believing what Dr. Fauci says, they're still looking for that leadership figure. Like the, the habit pattern of needing the authority figure is so, is so powerful that even if they're not listening to Dr. Fauci or Mr. President of the United States anymore, now maybe they're listening to this particular doctor or that particular content provider and if you disagree with their point of view, right? I mean, they're not actually fully individuating. They're still clinging to a new authority figure, even among the, the quote unquote resistance scene um, that's preventing them from actually completing this process that I think it's important we all go through, actually. I mean, we should, you know, maybe you could get into that. Like, what is that healing process when you do come out of denial? Um and you're willing to, and you start having these feelings, what, what are important or healthy ways to process through, to get to that end point of, of individuation and comfortability with your own self, you know, and your own perception without needing that codependent relationship anymore. Yeah. Well, before you can do anything, you have to feel safe Mm. before you can start any of the nervous system transitioning into the healing time. It's like the fight and flight, right? So you're ready to fight versus rest and digest where you're ready to digest the emotions. So it's not even just food. It's like the ability to process and you have to be able to feel safe enough to bring this in without being re-traumatized. Because then you'll get stuck almost in that trauma cycle. So you have to find the the safety. And it also makes me think of like the 12-step program too. And that you look to a higher, a, a more knowledgeable figure, which for the 12-step is God. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe in God, it's the universe or it's faith, like having faith. But before you can do anything, you've got to get your nervous system, your nervous system actually out of, out of ready to attack and ready to fight. So different qualities of yoga or meditation where you're just slowing your breathing down can help to do that or getting out of the trauma situation. It's like why it's so hard with, with children because they're still in that trauma situation enough that you can feel the shame and feel what you're feeling without being re-traumatized. So how do you get out of that? Well, all of those ways and they're the ways of feeling what you're feeling, which might be, so I have this, uh, I'll bring up my first reference which is this book, The Body Keeps the Score. I mentioned it before, Mind, mm-hmm. Brain, and Body, and the Transformation of, of Trauma. And he has, you know, when you're in trauma, it's imprinting the emotion of the trauma in your brain. So you can't really think your way out. You have to feel your way out and put those moments of trauma in the past. So you've got to when you're in fight and flight, it's all present moment. You can't process as this is the past. So it's feeling the imprinted trauma and either rearranging it, which you can do kind of mentally 
or physically in a room, you can actually rearrange your trauma. Like this lampshade is my father and I'm putting him in the corner Mm. or getting rid of it to EMDR, like eye movement therapy to neurofeedback, which is kind of incredible. It's something I'm quite interested in where it helps you to refile so that you file the past in the past and then you can be in that present moment safer to yoga to any kind of rhythm to group drumming to being safe to feel and that Mm -hmm. again like in a yoga class you have your teacher that hopefully you trust if you don't trust your teacher then don't go to that class because you're not going to do anything to trusting then that the class is going to end and knowing time and space and then each pose time and space and with yoga it's your internal space and your body in space so you learn time and space where you can trust time and space again and the past is in the past some you know eye movement emdr or neurofeedback getting the past in the past so that you can feel everything that you've needed to feel because it's all about avoidance you know Bradshaw talks about avoidance of shame Mm -hmm. Um, I also brought fierce medicine which is on a forest's book which also talks about um, what we're hiding from ourselves and one of her big things is not to waste a trigger and really looking deeper and deeper when you're triggered by somebody telling you what to do or, you know, commenting on your mask in the grocery store, not attacking them in the moment, but recognizing what that is about you. Cause right. It's all projections. So definitely recognizing what upsets you, but again, you have to be in a safe place to be able to unravel all of that. So how do we collectively get in a safe space? Well, we don't have control over anybody, but ourselves. And it maybe it's that idea that the collective is more important than I, because if you think about yourself, you're selfish. So, you know, everything is about, oh, the greater good, but it's not actually, we have to start with ourselves. Right. And that's the only way to affect anybody is to do the work, do the work yourself so that you're modeling that good behavior or pulling people out, which we've talked about before, the mob mentality and having the dialogue one-on-one so that they're able to, to see and feel it a little bit more. So yeah, it's like, I don't know how to heal us all from all of this, but you can't start with the masses. You can't start by healing mob mentality. And really we all came into this super traumatized. I think that it's going to show up with lots of addiction issues. Like who knows the number more, you know, alcohol, drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, the suicide rates, unfortunately, totally. The, the suicide rates are out of control. They've been out of control and the overdose rates. But I think those are both directly related to the void, filling the void. Mm -hmm. And not, you know, it's like a sensitization and desensitization. It's like you need more and more to fill the void. And the farther you go away from your true self, the more you have to fill. And lots of drugs we become sensitized to, which is like how ODs happen. So I I just think that the healing part First, we have to start with ourselves and recognize that we make mistakes and that we're not perfect and we don't know. We don't, we know what's right for ourselves in a moment. That's pretty much it. And to have dialogue and to really accept everyone's point of view and just. Yeah, it's like there's another forest yogaism where she says, you know, you have to put your own gas mask on first. You have to heal yourself first before Mm -hmm. you anybody. 
Well, I think I think one of the most important things that you're bringing up too is that the process is a long one, and mm-hmm. I, I've heard the term "the only way out is through." It's not like you're just going to wake up and everything's going to be fine. I mean, in fact. I think a lot of us, if we start to doubt the, the dominant narrative and we start to separate ourselves <laughs> from these dysfunctional relationships uh, with the government and the government corporate narrative and then a lot of people around us, I mean, it's it feels really isolating um, because not, not many hard. people have the same point of view. So you're already... You're already, yeah, you're already isolated and that makes it difficult to feel like you're in that safe space. So how do you even start the healing process, you know? Well, it also makes me think then of the 12 step program, which is first to admit you're powerless. Right. And find hope, believe that, you know, faith. So first admitting that we have no power over the external world, all we have is what's internal and have faith and surrender to it. And in the 12 steps, then there's amends, making amends and continuing that inventory, right? So after you become ready and ask God, you have to make amends and then keep admitting when you're wrong. Pray and meditate and help others. So it's all of that going through to get out, which the reason that you're in the dysfunctional relationship or situation is because it was too hard for you to go through it the first time. It was too hard to admit that, you know, I guess I don't have the great example, but admit you were, you were fooled. Yeah. It was it was too hard and now you're going to have to go through the layers and layers and layers of it. So it's going to be even harder than if you had first admitted or first felt the shame. And so it's all this protection of feeling those dark feelings. So maybe that too is normalizing feeling shitty even when, "Oh, how are you doing? I'm fine." Like right. you just so used to saying we're fine and so finding a teacher not necessarily a teacher of anything in specific but a therapist kind of teacher somebody that you feel like can give you advice and opening up to the fact you know nothing and starting to feel some of those uncomfortable feelings and you know, that's, you can do all kinds of different gratitude lists and exercise to increase. I mean, you have to kind of psych yourself out. It it reminds me again of me getting over some body issues that I had. And I started by tilting my mirror to make it a skinny mirror when I was like in my early twenties. And I'm like, I know that's not real, but Oh, you know, and just sort of faking it till you make it until you don't really care anymore and never wasting a good trigger because that's giving you the direction of what you need to work on. So you go out and the first thing that bothers you, study it and get curious about it. But I just don't know about the faith that everybody has the capability, the capacity to be able to do that. And we started off really dysfunctional. This didn't start with a a perfect society. We started, you know, social media maybe has created, all these things have created a separation. And then we're scared to admit who we are. And then we are fallible and we don't know. Yeah, I think that's exactly where we need to go with this. Is I think we're all, I mean, we all have the fear and we all want to pretend like we do know. And I think being able to let go, and it's, but especially in the social media environment where it's so easy to be nasty with one another and it's so easy to be like, I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm, I'm, I'm finding it almost, I mean, when we talk about this notion of having unity amongst the scene it's like so fractured right now that it's crazy i mean i've got 
you've got the you know terrain theorists thinking that if you anyone who's still a germ theorist is part of the part of the system they're not even awake yet or whatever it is if you've got flat earthers and round earthers you've got i had a guy who literally trolled me because i was just trying to explain to him that people who thought there might actually be ufos you know had a point and he was convinced that that all UFOs were man-made and that I, or these other people, I didn't even have a, a skin in the game, really. I don't know what, what the hell UFOs are, right? <laughs> but um, all that, we don't, we don't know. And we really won't. It's like admitting that, you know, nothing. Yeah. You got to let go of that part of your ego that thinks then, then that you do know, like once you, people, we're in the system. We're in the narrative. You're raised in, in public school. You're educated. You're listening to the news. When you start to doubt that whole narrative, it's like this whole other world opens up. But I think people are still so attached to that need to know that they think that the next thing that they've stumbled upon has got to be the ultimate truth. And if somebody else disagrees with them, then they're just wrong and they're not even awake yet and they haven't figured anything out. Um, Another thing that comes to mind is that I think everybody, I mean, first of all, I know for me, I mean, it's a long process that kind of started with, you know, geez, those, those buildings fell straight down into their own footprint. That doesn't make a lot of sense, according to any of the architects and engineers I've ever talked to, Yeah. to, you know, coming to this realization or from my point of view that, you know, 99% of the corporate media and the government media is basically fabricated propaganda. I mean, that took a long time. That wasn't something that happened overnight, uh, you know, to the place where you can even contemplate that maybe a lot of the allopathic system of medicine is actually potentially a form of population control controlled by a group of guys that, that do have these outrageous connections with the eugenics movement, you know, it's like, well, and that's, you know, each one of these was kind of a, is a big leap. Um, and so I, I don't think, you know, I also want to have compassion for the people that maybe, maybe they, they are like, I'm not sure why they made us wear masks for two years. Um, or, you know, clearly these lockdowns have hurt a lot of people and put a lot of people out of business. You know, I, I, you can't expect people that are noticing right now about the coronavirus to all of a sudden think that everything they hear on NPR is a lie or that everything on corporate media is, you know, prefabricated. Or I just try to have compassion for people who are undergoing their own process wherever they happen to be at. And it's the control part that we have an issue with where just don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And related like the masks, I've been very anti-mask the whole time. And a lot of people thought that I was wasting my energy and needed to focus more on the vaccine, so-called vaccine. But it just always comes back to the mask and what that has done to us and our humanity mm -hmm. from the very beginning. So many layers of, of uh, you know, the masks are not just a piece of cloth. Not only does it mess with your ability to intake oxygen, but it just, it messes with our connection with each other. And maybe that's how this has gone on so long and how we have gotten so disconnected from each other. And what I want to say is the first thing is that people take off their masks and that, uh, I'm here. We always talk so long. My battery gets low, yeah. but you know, even the idea that we've said a new age thinking of like, take off your masks and like be your true self, but we're doing this behavior, not we, not me, but this behavior every day where you're literally putting on a mask and covering up who you are, covering up your smile, not interacting with each other, where we look at depression and suicide and overdose, it's all related to social connection, to re-traumatizing those who've already been traumatized 
of having their voices muffled, not being heard. You can't hear people when they're the clarity of speak, like masks just are the epitome of everything that this has been about in a negative way. Mm -hmm. This mask of your true self, inability to speak, inability to connect, even smelling each other is so important. Our whole pheromone system. So you're smelling your own breath to the inability of oxygen to come into your blood and like nourish your brain to children being able to learn how to speak and articulate their words to, yeah, you know, the grocery store, nobody's nice to each other. You can't see their smiles. Yeah. And that another one of my it's favorite huge. signs was free your smile. So we're not going to get to safety as long as we've got these masks on. And it's fear too. So all of those people, their eyes are fear. Even with the mask, they don't feel safe. It's not, it has not helped. It has not helped on also so many different levels, especially this feeling of safety. Like that's why you do it, right? (laughs) Is to keep yourself safe. Yeah. But also when you limit your intake of oxygen, your mind and your body goes into flight, you know, fear mode. So you're not going to be able to get deep into anything until you take off your masks and, you know, face that somebody might yell at you at the grocery store. Right. You're a grandma killer. Well, I mean, that's just it. Like being psychologically healthy makes you more powerful emotionally to be able to handle these kinds of acts of defiance, which more and more of us really need to get to a place to, but it's so difficult Again, you know, when you're just waking up to the denial maybe that you've been in about just concerning the dominant narrative in general, and then you really do have to go through this healing process. So you're going to have lots of anxieties that you have to work through in order to strengthen yourself. Um, It's hearing so much about what somebody else thinks that you're putting yourself aside which is what Brad John Bradshaw was talking about. All of those rules of dysfunction are putting your own needs aside right. for the needs of the greater good. And then the media is who's feeding us that. And you have to be able to trust yourself and to trust your feelings and trust them enough that you're willing to get yelled at. And that's like where the flooding or, you know, we've talked about before comes in like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Everybody hates you. Okay. Well, they already do. So what's the big or, you know, right. I know that would never happen. So what, what's the worst that can happen? But, you know, one of the things that I, I think I actually even had to learn this was that it's important to hang out with like-minded people because I always wanted to argue with other people <laughs> and convince them, figure out how to convince, you know, like, my God, can't you see it? You know, and uh, like people, Oswald was like, a patsy, right? <laughs> you know, like, come the on. AA says too, is you go to a group. And you do group therapy. Yeah. Those are like-minded people. Or what a lot of folks, the resistance is saying, like, okay, well, we can either keep fighting against these boards, school boards, and the rulers, or we create our own. And that's still, I'm like not sure which because I, I don't really want to leave everybody behind, but it is self-reliance and finding like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And maybe drawing on times in the past where you've had to do that. I've done that with friend groups throughout my life where I recognize you guys don't actually like the same things I like. You sort of laugh when I light up Palo Santo. You're into infidelity and, you know, cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I just will be alone for a while. So, you know, that's happened in my life several times where I recognize that we're not meant to be friends with everybody all the time. Right. And the whole reason season or a lifetime thing with people, like what can you learn from that? And that's really how to turn anything into a positive. 
is, well, what can you learn from it? What did you learn from it? So a relationship that doesn't work out, what can you take from it? Well, you, you learned your boundaries again. You learned that you're not the same as when you were 21. You learned that you have different coping mechanisms. You learned that you have a heart that can love still. Right. You're capable of love. You're capable of forgiveness and understanding. So yeah, that sucks. But anything you can look at that way, even aging or, you know, any, any challenge, even your children dying. Okay. Well, I mean, how, you never get over it, but what, what can you do from here? What did you learn? What can you teach? What can you do other for others? And that again is the last step in AA is helping others. And I think helping others you could do earlier too. And that's like a good way to take inventory is go hang out with people who have it worse than you. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I think that we're talking about, you know, people say as, as if, as they are addicts, people addicted to the dominant narrative, you know, and people who are doing what they're told because the the government corporate apparatus tells them as if it's an addiction and that you actually really, I mean, it is this process that is akin to a 12 step process to get a, uh, to get back out of it and to really individuate yourself, which is the other thing I kind of wanted to get into is this idea of, of being individuated, because I think that we need, I've just been, I mean, what I see when I get on social media and I think social media is, is a part of it. And most of my friend, like I said, I actually, I mean, for a long time, I was just in the scene with, you know, normal people, even on my social media, most, most of my friends were still kind of stuck in the, in the system. And I actually learned not to discuss my political beliefs basically, because, you know, it would just, it would turn out to into this kind of disaster. People calling me a crazy person. And then, um, I finally said, screw it on social media. And I, now I have all these friends that are, you know, more like-minded, but what's amazing to me is they all still argue with each other like crazy, like just like crazy. And then, and what I'm seeing is, is people, you know, I think people need to realize that we're all different. And then you have to be so comfortable with your own individuality that it's okay. If somebody else is different, it's not just okay, but it's good that we live in a world where everybody is this beautiful, unique human being. And so nobody else has to agree with a hundred percent of what you say. I, I see these researchers that like will scour through somebody else's work and then go, oh, well, they think this and I disagree with that. So I'm going to throw away all the rest of the stuff that they do. And they must be, you know, again, going back to controlled opposition or, you know, working for the man or none of their work is worth anything. And it's just like, no one is going to agree with you hundred percent. You have your own worldview. We're all just trying to get to this place where we're individuated. And from there, if we can become individuated and be comfortable with our own differences of opinion, then we can have these disagreements and we can engage in a, in a healthy dialogue. And maybe we can conclude with this. This is what's been really on my mind lately, because I mean, I get on social media 99% of the time. If I have a disagreement with somebody else about their point of view, about what's going on with the whole thing, uh, it's, you know, I mean, I, I've been told that I don't read, I don't have a sense of history, that I'm a liar. I mean, it just like, suddenly you're like, well, okay, that person just got really triggered and I haven't done anything but wanted to try to engage in a, you know, in a conversation about our differences of opinion. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on there and how to get to a, a place of healing where we're comfortable with our differences to the point mm-hmm. where then we can have like productive dialogue without getting into this trigger mode um, caused by the traumas that we've had from this whole dysfunctional relationship that we've had with our, you know, with our communities leading before up all this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before all this. And really we do have things in common. We all want to be loved. We right. all want connection. We all want to be heard. And it's like you were saying, the nonviolent communication, you feedback that you heard them yeah. before you speak. Right. And I've really, tr- I've, I've played with that. Like I've experimented 
And it really does work to understand what they're saying first. But you just, you can't get along with everybody. Not everybody is just going to have the ability to do that. Sure. So nonviolently communicating, and there's so much mocking these days on social media. Even that laugh emoji. Drives me nuts when people just blow you off with the laugh emoji when it's like, can you not express yourself? It's like talking to a a three-year-old. Use your words. Can you use your words? You know? (laughs) And communicate that you heard what I had to say first before starting to talk. So an ability to listen, recognize that we all just want to be understood. We all want to be loved. Yeah. I mean, and we're all coming from a place of a good intention. This is the other thing that kind of frustrates me is that it seems like a lot of times when people have a disagreement or a difference of opinion, I mean, that's what's so funny. One of the things that probably frustrates me the most about the mainstream right now is that if somebody has a difference of opinion with Dr. Fauci, then they're called misinformation. You know, Mm -hmm. you're spreading misinformation. It's like, it's okay to have a different opinion (laughs) and it's not misinformation. It's my opinion. And I might be wrong, but this is the information that I go by to make my personal choices. Um, But even within the scene, when you're on social media and you're trying to have a conversation with, you know, maybe you're a germ theorist and somebody else is a terrain theorist. And all of a sudden they're just like, you don't know what you're talking about. And science says this and, and it's, uh, it's just oh, yeah, building yeah. commonalities, building bridges. Well, okay. We disagree on this, but yeah. we can all agree that we want peace and freedom. That's just it. Isn't it? I mean, if my, if the intention behind both of us is to figure out a way forward, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to just almost ditch everything in order to create a big tent for people. Like I don't, I see so many issues as personal choices. I mean, your healthcare decisions are personal choices. Your finance, there's a huge debate about the blockchain thing. It's like, those are personal financial decisions. It doesn't make you a sellout if your intentions are, and not that you might not be making a mistake. Maybe it is a mistake to get involved with blockchain technology, but if your intentions are, for the purposes of liberation, for getting away from the dollar, it's, these are your personal financial decisions, like trying to extrapolate that out into the public sphere. You know, this is another thing that I've seen. I mean, that's just it. It's like, we, we start to break away from the corporate narrative or the dominant narrative that we were taught as children. But I think we bring still a lot of these habits, uh, these habits of argumentation, these attachments to our own point of view into the dialogue, into the, in the resistance sphere. And, uh, and we still engage in a lot of unhealthy behaviors and practices that aren't really helping to like move, push the movement forward. And, uh, and one of them is the intention. The intention issue is so, so huge to me. Like if you, if people care about, uh, uh, about, trying to move forward in a good way, then they can have a disagreement with you about those choices and it's okay. And the other one is, is not allowing personal decisions to be personal. And, you know, again, I found myself over the summer, like arguing with everyone about ivermectin, not people necessarily that were more awake to what's going on, but like just on social media with my normie friends or whatever you want to call them. And then I suddenly I'm realizing like, I don't why is everything like we have this habit and all of us have it. And I'd like to, to try to let it go in my own life to, to think that everything has to be hashed out in the public sphere. Like who cares what my treatment protocol, my personal treatment protocol that I choose for myself when I get sick is, I mean, do we have to argue every time we feel I have a headache? Do I take a Tylenol? You know, half the people like, do you my take God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Homeopathy. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. And it doesn't make a person evil who has a different attitude about treatment. I mean, the media has done a great job of telling us that we all have to think alike. Yeah. I mean, that's like what all of this is about that. Even if you agree or, you know, masks, whatever they do, you got to do it because you, you would hurt somebody and that we all have that. There's a right and a wrong way to do it. Everything from the wearing a mask a lot of people that i know did it just in case yeah 
and they didn't want to go into it. So they just did it because they were told this is what you do for the greater good. And this is how you, or even the language that, you know, one uses for gender or whatever, that we all have to do it the same. And if you're not doing it like that, then you're wanting to hurt people. But yeah, people are so sensitive and taking other people's actions so personally that again, it's like, you're only responsible for yourself in your reactions. You're not responsible. And there's no way that I can make you healthier. I can only make me healthier. Yeah. And the conflict is a part of all life, not just humans. I mean, any creature and uh, like from a molecule level, right? Everything is like the chaos is what actually causes order. Chaos is. And when we try and take it apart and make it clean is when we actually screw things up. Yeah. So there's this great image I saw that was like a fir tree with all of the spikies all randomly. And that's actually order. But when you take off every spine and put it in some visual order, that's actually chaos. So we, we actually need all these different opinions for order. Right. We actually need to think differently. I think maybe it's really important uh, to appreciate the mystery of life. Like people don't know the truth and we're all just trying to get through and get by and we can make these choices for ourselves, but it, people life are is mysterious. good, right? I yeah. mean, I, I believe that. Yeah. I think that there can be bad seeds. I mean, I don't know. Do I believe that there are bad seeds? I mean, a lot of messed up lives and often something messed up happened to them. So do I believe that people, some people are born bad or is it all generational trauma? Yeah. But 99% of us were inherently good. And that's, we don't want bad things to happen to bad people or anybody. We don't want bad things to happen to people. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think. Right. I mean, can we all just like put that in the forefront and understand that, uh, you know, 99% of us really are just trying to do the best and we're not the evil ones. And all of this conflict that's so ingrained in the way that we think and the way that we act towards each other, uh, I think we, if we just keep those positive intentions intact and we have a little bit of faith in the human race, then... And control our own behavior, not ignoring it, but not lashing out at people. Yeah. Yeah. Having you an know, awareness like, of what's triggering you and, and staying in control of that so that you don't get overcome and even appreciating when other people get triggered and, you know, right. like, and the conversation for now, we can revisit this later for potentially, and or just you don't like, know um, what they've been through. You don't know why. Right. So it's understanding another's point of view and being conscious of not re-traumatizing yourself by reliving it or others by reacting. So it's not, it's being less reactive to what bothers you and accepting one another's point of view. And sure, you could argue that all of your decisions affect me, but we really are one. Just and we all have our little jobs that we're going about. Yeah, it's I think like that's we're all parts of a whole, just like in a body. Like I am a blood cell, and you're, you know, a part of the meninges, and like right. you got your little thing you're doing, and I've got mine. And just because our jobs and our daily goals are different ultimately we are all working on this same yeah i mean i've even heard that you know people that are focused on healthcare freedom are 
not correct because everybody should be awake to the this this technocratic takeover or vice versa and it's like okay you know everybody has their different passions and their different areas and that's great in, and that is great and we should be working on all these different places i mean some people are more interested in the financial part mm-hmm. um, or the political part and or, we have our well, strengths and weaknesses too we don't all have the same strengths yeah. so just like i was mentioning my friend who's amazing at thinking of the legislation and the law and the insurance and the bonds and this and that my mind doesn't really think like that and i can hear her but my mind is more to the like picking up the pieces or you know uh, understanding of others so that they wouldn't want to treat me like that or they wouldn't you know i have a more emotional connection to people yeah. and the, you know just we all have our different roles and just like we need a gardener and we need the house painter and we need the chef and we need the teacher and we need everybody to get up and have their own exactly like you're one kind of cell and i'm another kind of cell but ultimately it runs together yeah we're all part of the same organism (laughs) and we can't force yeah it's like we're all part of the same organism and that might be mother earth or it might be something else we don't even know about but recognizing that you don't know (laughs) and being okay with that you thought you did well sounds good genevieve i think i'm just gonna um we probably should wrap it up we're we're getting a little close to an hour try to keep these oh no (laughs) it hasn't been quite that long yet but but we ought to um we ought to wrap it up i I was um i just want to bring up a couple of the points one is that as as people are waking up uh, they're all at a different place. It's not their fault that the, the process takes a long time. You have to deal with a lot of anxiety, a lot of trauma as you're breaking away from this codependent system that almost all of us were raised inside of. Um, that hanging around with like-minded people is really important. And then I think uh, individuating and respecting the in, the the individuation of everyone else, that we're not evolving we were coming out of a system where everybody was expected to think the same and be the same and the solution to that the healing side of that is a recognition that everybody's actually completely different and nobody's going to think just like you do and that's a great thing um even though it takes a lot of like letting go of these habits that we have that we think we're the best researcher and we've figured out uh, the worldview that everybody else should have like no that's the system we just that's the mm-hmm. codependent system, the, the shame-based system that we just left. Um, and let's it's, figure yeah, out. Embracing a lack of control and, yeah. a, and chaos. Yep. And getting to a place where we can then have healthy dialogue with each other about these differences and, and not, not with the, not with the attitude of controlling or changing the other person, but actually with an open-mindedness that's willing to learn from all of these interactions instead. I mean, this I think is the ultimate goal. So, and finding like-minded people. If you're in Mendo, we're still doing town halls once a month, where we get together and talk about what's new and what our next steps are. Yeah. And you still, uh, you still want to point people to the Mendo Health Freedom Fighters Facebook page, the second one. Yes. Too. Mendo Health Freedom <laughs> then, Fighters too. That's because I almost got us kicked off right (laughs) (laughs) about how scary san francisco is that's the post that got flagged Uh, and saying we're one that was the one that said it was dangerous bullying information where i said to fight fight this peacefully fight this peacefully yeah Uh, also freedomformendo.com okay which there is an amazing amount of information there. So if you're trying to help somebody else understand and on that, it will list, there's a telegram page also when the town halls are. And we actually have right. uh, Mark Muser coming in March, who's running for Senate and Renette Senum coming Perfect. to Ukiah in cool. April to talk about her, uh, 
her uh, campaign and, and what she believes in. So like-minded people accepting that we're different, we're all part of the same creature and we all have our different roles and variability. Just uh, one other thing I was looking up as far as healing, there's something called heart rate variability. Hmm. And when your heart rate has a lot of variability, it's healthy. It's not a very slow and steady heartbeat that's healthy. It's the variability in it and your ability to respond to things differently and your resilience is actually in the variability of your heart. Like the way that it is and the time between each heartbeat. So that's more of that difference and variation is actually healthy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what we've got to move to. It's not going to be a a one world where everybody's the same. It's actually going to be this whole fluctuating life force where everybody gets to be completely different and there's no judgment. Healthy soil has, I mean, how many thousands of different things going on at once? And we just look at it like, here's the dirt. But there is so much variation in jobs and roles of all the little microbes and, you know, everything working together harmoniously is variety. But yeah, you can always reach out to me. I'll talk you. I'll talk you through my thoughts. (laughs) Anybody who's struggling and it's not easy. Right. I think the reason that I am who I am is based on challenges. You know, that's when we really like move forward is when we come up upon a challenge and we we don't shy away so this has been fun though thank you doug yeah you bet and thank you genevieve for helping me wrap this up um we've been through the characteristics of mystification and what's going on with everybody that's so you know so easily uh where their mindset was just completely uh, set in stone by the the mass of the propaganda and then the rules of dysfunction that really um, solidify this dysfunctional relationship I think so many people now have with the government in terms of its controlling and abusive behavior and being able to go one by one through those. So uh, really appreciate that you've come on and helped me wrap this up. And uh, I'll just give out that email or that website one more time, freedomformendo.com. If you're local here in the Mendocino County area, you can check it out and find out what uh, Genevieve and her group is doing in terms of organizing against all of this. And uh, I'll just thank you all for checking out this Psychology of Lockdown series. Um, I'll, I'll be looking forward to actually kind of packaging everything up. Uh, we, I already do have a Spotify list up. Um, that just has all of the psychology of lockdown series in one easy place where you can go and find it. I'll add this one and then I'll be promoting the whole package to everybody. Cause I think the information that we put together here was great. Um, just in terms of, uh, you know, a year before everybody now is talking about the mass formation psychosis, we were already breaking down exactly what's going on psychologically within everyone and why they're falling for this and what's going on and how this is happening. So I hope everybody learned from this. You can find uh, more about my stuff and all of my work up at www.theshiftnow.com. And I've just now started writing a blog. I'm actually opening the blog up with this whole concept of dialogue and how we can have better conversations with each other without getting triggered and starting to think outside of this very dialectical combative Uh, logical mind into the more uh, mystery-oriented, individuated, uh, a little bit more chaos, grounded in chaos kind Mm -hmm. of thinking where we all get to be different and we don't have to convince everybody to be exactly the same uh, or else we're going to get triggered into, you know, thinking there's some kind of enemy. Even the whole, we're so over-logical and the whole thing based on debate it's almost passive aggressive just to even think this way where we all have to debate with each other. And then the, the winner comes out on top. It's, it's very, it's, it's embedded in, in the way most of us have been taught how to think is a cycle of violence in and of itself that kind of plays out subtly all the time and, and makes it so easy for us to get caught in these traps. So, so thanks again, Genevieve, for coming on. And I want to thank everybody else for uh, for checking this out and hope that you have enjoyed the whole series and learned something from it. Uh, I learned a lot from it. Um, and getting into this psychological angle again is so, I think, way more important than figuring out how to have these kind of logical conversations with people. Because 
I, and the more I get into it, the more I realize 99% of what's going on is psychology. Like mm-hmm. most of what's happening is not, we're not really that conscious about. We think that we're conscious and it's all about these arguments, but there's so much more going, going on underneath the surface. And that's what has to be addressed if we're going to get through this and we're going to heal through this. And if we're going to have a chance uh, to get to the other side where we can maybe once again live in a free society where everybody doesn't have to wear masks all the time every time they go out and hide who they are uh, and have conversations where we can actually listen to each other once again. So. Mm. All right. Well, have a great day, Genevieve and everybody, everybody. Yeah. Thanks again for checking it out and uh, stay tuned for my next project. I'll keep on working. Stay human. Yeah. You too. (laughs) Take care.